G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to Series 9 of This Week in Startups Australia. Throughout Series 9, we're focusing on one question. What is it that makes a startup successful? Is it a great idea? A great team? Great customers? or something else altogether? This is an important question for all startups, a fundamental question. And on this series, we're looking for answers. We're talking to people who have been successful, asking them how it happened. And we're talking to people at the start on their journey to success. In this episode, we're continuing that tradition on Twista, a tradition that goes all the way back to episode three when we interviewed the founder of one of the earliest Bitcoin exchanges in Australia. The whole cryptocurrency space has matured at a rate of knots, and now it's looking more and more like fintech. We're talking to a startup that's reinventing payments using crypto. So we're getting charged up for success on this episode of This Week in Startups Australia. Twista is sponsored by Odoo, a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that let you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. Go to odoo.com slash Twista to check it out. This Week in Startups Australia is also sponsored by User Testing. Experience what your customer experiences with User Testing. Request your free trial at usertesting.com slash Twista and get the fast human insights you need to make more informed business decisions at scale. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by Squarespace. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build a beautiful online presence and run your business. Go to squarespace.com slash Twista for a free trial. Twista's production partner for Series 9 is UTS Startups, where they're equipping a new breed of startup founders by inspiring students to launch their own venture and build the foundation for a successful career. To learn more about UTS Startups, go to startups.uts.edu.au. Cryptocurrency is not a new topic on This Week in Startups Australia. On our third episode, yes, Series 1, Episode 3, we had Ron Tucker, who was the founder of BitTrade Australia. That's the nation's oldest cryptocurrency exchange. In the third episode of Series 2, we had an interview with a fellow who was putting Bitcoin ATMs all around the country. Remember those? And then at the beginning of this series, we interviewed Michael Lowy from Tide.org, who is using blockchain technology to protect customer data. And frequent listeners to Twista will know that I really enjoy talking to fintech startups. If you listen to my other podcast, The Next Billion Seconds, which is available on Listener, you'll also know that I'm almost 
obsessively interested in all things cryptocurrency. So it is nice when all of the things that I like come together in a nice package. And that brings us to CryptoSpend, who came to my attention in an article in the Australian Fin Review about a startup out of UTS Startups that had created a Visa card that could be used to pay for purchases using cryptocurrency. Now that right there, it sounds simple, but if you know anything about financial services in Australia, well, you'll know that's actually a huge accomplishment. And, and that is something we're going to dig down into now. And it is with great pleasure that I want to welcome to Twista the co-founders of CryptoSpend, Richard Voice and Andrew Gretsch. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, Mark. How's it going? All right. First off, one of you, tell us what CryptoSpend does. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, thank you for the very warm introduction. Uh, very happy to be here. Uh, so what CryptoSpend does, you know, we, we're a crypto payments platform. So essentially what we've done is we've given our customers and people across Australia the ability to use their cryptocurrencies like it's everyday currency. And we essentially want to make this a one-stop shop for crypto. All right. So does that mean then the people can do they have to bring their own cryptocurrency to you and then use it or can they buy it through you? Or? So currently they have to bring their own cryptocurrency to us. We wanted to make this available for those who already owned crypto to begin with. However, we do see the potential that this product has for a much bigger market, a mass market, if you will. So that's where, you know, we do have plans in the works to introduce a buy feature as well. All right. So is it hard to create a Visa card offering? Are there lots of requirements and hoops that you have to go through to actually make that happen? So, I mean, creating the relationship that we have with Visa, first of all, has been a very enjoyable one. Um, that being said, it, it's not like it doesn't take a lot of work. You know, it's great to work with them. It's really good to build the relationship that we have. But, you know, there are lots of requirements. It is a lengthy process, um, but, you know, not, none that are unnecessary, you might say. You know, everything that is done, building the relationship and actually getting that partnership in place, uh, you know, everything's done for a reason. So Visa, as well as us, need to make sure that there's enough processes and systems in place to make the best possible product for the crypto spend card. Uh, and, you know, this, again, further ensures the safety of our users and allows us to stay more compliant with the regulatory bodies as well. Right, because Visa is a real sign of approval here. And for them to give you that sign of approval, you have to be cleared by them and because they're basically putting their reputation at risk by letting you have the Visa label. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so um, part of the well, part of the approval process is uh, they have to go through our uh, anti money laundering controls, um, whether or not we, you know, K, uh, sufficiently KYC so know your, perform know your customer checks on our customers, and um, you know that's just one of the many things that that you have to go through to actually get that done. Right. Because effectively what they don't want to do, and certainly what you don't want to do is to create something that would be used to launder money, Correct. which, be, you know, Bitcoin has a reputation of anonymity. It doesn't, it's pseudonymous. It's not actually anonymous, That's right, but yeah. it, it, certainly anyone who has been forced to pay ransomware knows that this is the currency of choice for a certain element of criminals. And therefore you don't want to create a mechanism that allows that money to basically be laundered. How did you manage to prove to Visa that you had sufficient s systems in place to be able to prevent that? 
So what we did is we spent a lot of time on our end ensuring that we had the necessary processes, the necessary requirements, the necessary knowledge in place to to actually bring this product to customers with Visa and say, you know, this is a safe product to use. It is a reliable product to use and it's going to keep to all the necessary anti-money laundering uh, requirements uh, that we've actually put in place. So a lot of time has been spent on that kind of safety for the customers. And is this something that Visa is doing a lot of? Is there a playbook for them? It's like, here's how you do a Visa card where people are going to be spending a cryptocurrency? Because you'd expect they'd have a playbook for, say, people are going to be using it for Australian dollars or American dollars. But this is a different kind of use case. So how well established are the processes there? I'd say every process is different. You know, every company is different. There'll be different functionalities, different features. And that's something that each individual company will have to go through their their process with them. So, you know, with us, it was having that really robust uh, KYC uh, process, really robust um, AML process uh, that has gotten to where we are today. Now, we had 86400 on this show in the same week that they'd gotten their banking license, and they had an 18-month process. They were basically the first modern bank to get a banking license, the first neobank. Do you need a banking license for what you're offering here? No, we don't, actually. And why? Is, so you're, you're not holding depository sums? So we're holding we're holding deposits in crypto and a banking that's out of the scope of a banking license. Ah, so this is so if you were holding Australian dollars, you would need a Pfizer license, but because you're holding crypto, you don't. Correct, but a Pfizer license is US based, right? Uh, financial Services Authority license, FSA. So the the equivalent that yeah, we yeah. have. The equivalent here. here. Yeah, yeah. Well, the equivalent here would be uh, under ASIC and APRA as well. Um, but that's that's out of scope for us at the moment, actually. So that's really interesting is that because it isn't considered money yet, you don't need to have quite the same regulatory framework. So you can actually beat a much faster path to market than you would have if you had to go through the intense process that, say, 86400 had to go through. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're more like a bank, right? This is more of a sort of payments product, so it falls more under ASIC's ASIC's uh, requirements. Now, it is estimated that around 600,000 Australians right now trade in cryptocurrencies, whether they're active traders, but they certainly own it. Is that Does that set a limit to your addressable market? And how would you grow that market? Do you have to wait for the number of people who hold cryptocurrencies to grow? Yeah. Well, no, we don't actually have to wait for the, um, the number of, of people that holding crypto doesn't have to grow. What we're um, what we're going to be doing is we're going to start actually selling crypto as well. So you can buy crypto on the app. You can spend it. It's, it's basically going to basically going to be a one stop shop, and as well as store it as well. So right now, that is our addressable market. That half a million to six hundred thousand people that are actually currently holding crypto, because currently now, like we said before, that you have to deposit crypto onto there to actually use it. Um, but that will change once we have the uh, the buy feature because then that you know brings it more to a mass market because then you know anyone can have access to it basically. So one of the things I thought was really interesting is you're in- integrated with BPay, and I know from talking to the neobanks that integration with BPay is 
Baroque, I think is probably the word that I want to use there. That was certainly how it was described. How many payment systems have you integrated into in Australia? So we're currently integrated into the new payments platform or the NPP, which means we're currently allowing uh, crypto payouts to a BSPN account number, a pay ID, and it even allows them to pay their bills as well. Okay, so... That is a transfer that's always happening. If you're using the payments platform, then it's converting to dollars when it's being sent across the platform, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But it does mean that you have a payments gateway from crypto into the new payments platform. And when NPP was just being launched, we actually had Adrian, who is the CEO of the NPP on the show, explaining what it was going to offer. And now we're actually at this point. And in some sense, you were the thing he was trying to enable, which is having people who are offering very different kinds of payment solutions than one of the big four banks would offer it, but having the same access to all of the infrastructure for savings accounts that everyone would have. So the NPP then made that work very straightforward for you. Yeah, yeah. And as well, um, you know, NPP has been around for a few years now. And it's, you know, when we introduced it, which was in October last year, uh, that, that side of the product, uh, I think it was, it was good timing because majority of the Australian banks now are on MPP, so they can actually take MPP payments. Um, so, you know, that's what's been able to, so it's not just us actually facilitating the instant transfer, it's the recipient's bank account that actually also needs to accept MPP as well. Um, so that's been a really good thing to see as well. Yeah. I mean, I had my penny drop moment on NPP when my barber said, oh, no, you don't have to go down to the ATM to pay me anymore. You can pay me using NPP, <laughs> right? Because it's the, one of the last cash businesses. And when those start dropping onto NPP, when they start dropping onto PayID, you realize that you have a platform for the whole nation. All right. You talked about adding some custodial services and some exchange services so that you can buy do you see other areas, If and you don't have to expose your roadmap to us, but I think if you take this whole sector, how do you see this product and similar products evolving as a market over the next couple of years? Um, I, th I think it goes without saying, you know, we, we've loved building the product to, to where it is now. Uh, we love the feedback we're getting on the product, and we're definitely building this product around our customers. And I'd say, you know, one of the biggest things in our sites is actually taking this across APAC you know, and then, you know, the rest of the globe. We'd love to make this this wonderful product available to everyone globally. We'd love to have, you know, an Australian crypto fintech company come out of the woodworks and actually be one of those industry leaders. And that's really a big vision for us. And just adding, just adding on to that as well, um, crypto is a global currency, right? It doesn't have borders like AUD or USD or Euros. So, you know... Um, one Bitcoin's actual value is this, you know, basically the same all around the world. Uh, so the point of making this international is the fact that it's an international currency that can work anywhere and it's using and it'll be using Visa's network to actually facilitate those payments. So in some ways, this is similar, I guess, to what PayPal is doing now with having its own sort of internal supply of Bitcoin so that in theory, you can pay for and merchants can receive payments in Bitcoin. In some sense, internal to their network, this is what you're now doing to every Visa merchant in the world. Correct. Wow. <laughs> All right. How do you grow from here? What is the growth plan then? Uh, the, the growth plan is to to really accommodate this for currently the Australian market and, and hopefully shortly the New Zealand market. And we really want to get a good footing. We want to make sure that this is 
a, a really robust, uh, well-made product before we actually start, you know, branching out because we don't want to rush uh, things too much. And, you know, upon, upon doing that, we will take the necessary steps and, and meet the necessary requirements that we need to actually take this across the globe. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. We will be right back. Twisty is proudly sponsored by Odoo. One of the toughest parts of building a company is choosing which tools and service providers to use. There are so many functions in a startup, and each space has endless vendors. There's sales tools, email marketing, accounting, HR and payroll, project management, customer support, point of sale, e-commerce. It goes on and on, and eventually you end up with a franken stack of tools that cost a lot and don't integrate properly. Odoo is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you scale your business. For example, their accounting products are perfect for anyone who's ready to upgrade from Excel or QuickBooks, but doesn't want to break the bank with some of the more expensive options out there. It's simple and it's modular, so you use what you need and all of their apps integrate perfectly with each other. Your first app is free forever. And right now, Odoo is offering a $1,000 credit on your first implementation pack. That's not a joke. Take $1,000 off. Go to odoo.com slash twista to check it out. That's odoo.com slash twista. Welcome back to This Week in Startups Australia. We're talking with CryptoSpend co-founders Richard Voice and Andrew Gretsch. Gentlemen, the big theme in Twista Series 9 is success. Now, you're just starting out on your journey, but I'm wondering, what do you look for in yourselves as the behaviors and attitudes that contribute to your own success? Why don't we start with you, Andrew? All right. Well, I suppose one of the big factors is passion and drive. I suppose if you really want to see something come to life, if you have if you have plenty of drive and if you have plenty of passion, you can make it happen. Richard? Uh, to, to add on to Andrew there, you know, I think I think discipline, a strong sense of discipline to be able to sit down for hours, you know, and to be willing to, you know, actually if something needs to happen at midnight, you need to get up, have the discipline, sit yourself down and really figure out what the issue might be, what the problem might be, uh, and being able to pivot very easily uh, is also very helpful in startups and I think will contribute to uh, the success, you know, as markets change and grow. Right. Now, how long has CryptoSpend been around as an organization? How long have you been working at this? How long have you been disciplined and focused and passionate about this? <laughs> that was uh, since around early... Uh, sorry, late 2018. Um, that's that's when we really got into it. Um, so it started, you know, earlier off. It was just sort of the ideation stage, and um, Rich and I were actually becoming friends at uni. And then that's you know at that point is when we sort of decided to kick it off from there. All right. So finally, gentlemen. When you look at other entrepreneurs who have been successful, and we can point to Nick Molnar and Anthony Eisen, who earlier this month 
sold their fintech startup Afterpay to Square for $39 billion. What do you think they know about success? And what do you think other people that you look up to know about success that all of us should be learning from them? Um, First of all, I think, you know, it's really great to see young Australian entrepreneurs, you know, having this kind of media around them. I think it's fantastic, the achievements that they build. And I really think, you know, when it comes to success for not only ourselves, but those that we look up to, it's the ability and the love to innovate, you know, bring solutions to a market where they find a gap, where they find a problem. And that's really, you know, kind of what drives you as an entrepreneur. It's being able to fix something and it's able to make people's lives easier by bringing a solution to the market. And I really think that's what success looks like. It's being able to do that. It's being able to execute on these ideas. So, yeah. I think they really have, like Nick and Anthony, I think they have, like they had an eye for, you know, that need in the market when no one else really saw it, right? They were the sort of first you would call them more inventors rather than innovators in this space because um, they, were, they were one of the first, if not the first, to actually introduce Buy Now Pay Later. So, um, yeah, I think that sort of, to have that sort of vision, that's what their recipe for success has been. Right. And the determination to execute it well as well. And you point to something very important, that the Buy Now Pay Later market, which is huge and has many different companies, is effectively... Afterpay is basically one of the first companies in that space. And so they're out there making the risks and also con- constructing all of the commercial infrastructure so that retailers are offering it. And I think we all underestimate how hard that is. That is a lot of pounding of pavement because if you don't have that, then you don't have any capacity for customers to be able to take up the product. Yeah, I suppose like 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 their successes, you know, a lot of the merchants would have already heard of like buy now, pay later. But, you know, I would imagine... And I'm not actually sure on this, but I would imagine for them to actually approach merchants, pitching them, you know, buy now, pay later, a lot of merchants would have been like, oh, you know, I, don't, I haven't sort of seen any sort of product like this before. So they would have had to educate them all on it. And that would have been just an intense, very, very intense job. And by pushing the costs for that onto the retailer versus the customer, because that's really how almost all of these systems work. Yeah, yeah. You also have to make an even harder sell that this is going to bring them revenue, right? Yeah. And so you really have to have that salesman's mindset of being able to tell people, if you use this, you will grow. Yeah, that's right. Gentlemen, it has been a pleasure talking to you. I wish you every success. And I think we'll have you back on in a few more years and find out how global crypto spend has gone. Thank you for joining us on This Week in Startups Australia. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having us. Twista is proudly sponsored by User Testing. Are you launching a new product, developing a new prototype, rolling out a new campaign? User Testing lets you see, hear, and talk to your customers to understand how they experience your brand, your product, and your services. Chubbies, a men's casual apparel brand, gained valuable insights by asking some of their customers to explain why they love their Chubbies shorts when they wore them last, even asking for new product suggestions to guide their product roadmap. So put yourself in your customer's shoes with user testing. Request your free trial at usertesting.com twista and get the fast human insights you need to make more informed decisions 
at scale. Back in 2018-2019, there was an explosion of fintech activity in Australia. There were new laws, there were new sandboxes, and these things called neobanks were popping up everywhere. We talked to a few of them on this show. We certainly talked to the founders of 86400. We talked to the founders of UpBank, and I still love and use UpBank every single day. I did another series called Beta Bank on my other podcast, The Next Billion Seconds, in which we had people in to talk about everything that was going on in banking. And here we are now in 2021, and the only one of those are that are still standing independently. Now, Up was never independent. It's basically almost kind of a front-end to Bendigo Bank. But the only new bank that's standing now is Judo Bank. And I had credit cards from 86400, from Up, from Zynga. You know, my Apple wallet was just getting crowded with all these very colorful cards that were issued immediately when you signed up. And you put a little money in a savings account. You might get a great interest rate. Wouldn't really matter. There were lots of reasons for signing up. None of these got the kind of traction that they needed to become fully sustainable. So 86400, I think, got bought by, I believe it was NAB, might have been ANZ, got bought by one of the big four. UpBank remains part of Bendigo Bank. Zynga, I think, just returned all of its deposits to the folks who had given it to them, and so on and so forth. So the one company standing out of all of that first round of fintech innovation is Judo. Why is Judo still standing? Because Judo picked a vertical, which is business banking, and they decided that we are going to fix business banking. We're going to do business banking better than the big four do it, and certainly better than any other neobank, which is really not even thinking about business banking. And so Judah has basically gone from strength to strength, even through the time last year. And the pandemic was not a good time for new banking because people wanted to basically stick to the things that they knew. Yes, they were saving more money, but they were saving more money in one of the big four banks. So it wasn't a good time for innovators in something that's really as personal and as I think fraught as banking is and people's financial well-being. 2020 was not a good year for innovation there. But Jido, because it was offering a better way to bank, managed to do better than all of the other competitors. Now, does that mean that we're seeing the end of banking innovation here? I don't think so. The banks have been dragging their feet on open banking, which basically provides a pipeline of data from the banks for the individual with the bank account, which can then be piped into some other app from some other organization, presumably a fintech to help people manage their money better, manage their savings, manage their investments. All of that is coming. That's in the law. The banks have kicked the can down the road a little bit further and a little bit further because a lot of their systems aren't really geared up for this or they're really afraid of the competitive threat. And we can see now even Commonwealth Bank taking issue with Apple Pay and taking that to the ACCC, seeing that Apple is being a competitive threat and not competing fairly because the iPhone doesn't give you access to the near-field communication chip that you use when you do tap and go. 
So there's a whole bunch of fintech battles being fought on a whole bunch of different fronts with very large companies and very small companies. And then against all of this, you have buy now, pay later. So you have Afterpay, $39 billion sale to Square, actually now proving that all of this investment in fintech was justified, that Australia can produce very sophisticated products and services that are useful globally to the startups that are now huge companies globally like Square. So fintech is hard. Fintech is not an immediate road to riches or success. There's a lot of regulation around it. There's a lot of infighting going on because everyone wants access to that pile of money. But when you persevere, then you see the kinds of wins that we saw with Afterpay. And judo may very well be on that road. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. We will be right back. Twisty is proudly sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform to build a beautiful online presence and run your business. With Squarespace, you can blog, you can publish content, you can promote your business, announce upcoming events and special projects, sell products and services of all kinds, and much more. No matter what you need to do online, Squarespace has the answer. And don't take their word for it. Here's what the folks at Remote Demo Day have to say. Now, back in 2020, they decided to create Remote Demo Day for founders to pitch to thousands of angel investors live. They purchased the domain RemoteDemoDay.com and had the site up and running in minutes because Squarespace is so easy to use. Remote Demo Day has been a success so far, and Squarespace has played a huge part in that. From websites to online stores, from marketing tools to analytics, Squarespace has what you need to succeed online. Go to squarespace.com twista for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the code twista to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash twista. When we talk to entrepreneurs who are very much in the thick of it about success, and we've done that a few times in Series 9, the answers we get are very different from the more considered, perhaps more reflective responses of, say, a venture capitalist or Tim Fong, who's been at this for a decade, the answers are more immediate. You know, you hear Andrew Gretsch immediately talking about focus. You hear Richard Voice immediately talking about perseverance. What they're doing is they're reflecting on the qualities in themselves that have allowed them to survive in what is one of the most difficult things they will ever do, which is building a fintech business. So the baseline for success is clearly understanding that underneath everything else, you have to persist. Big thanks to Twista sponsors Odoo, User Testing, and Squarespace. Thanks to our production partners at UTS Startups for their assistance. Thanks to Richard Voice and Andrew Gretsch of CryptoSpend for taking the time to come on to our show. Now, this is normally when I spruik the virtues of our website. Instead, what I want to tell you is we found an enormous bug in the podcast feed. 
Many of the early episodes of This Week in Startups Australia have not been available. We have fixed all of that. So if you take a look at the feed, you will now see all of our shows all the way back to the beginning with Tim Fung and Ian Gardner. So there they are. They're in the podcast feed. Have a listen and listen to the evolution of all of the startups in Australia. We will be back next week taking another look at the future of food. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening to This Week in Startups Australia.